We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, we are here live at Imperial Pizza in South Buffalo, 1035 Abbott Road. Good vibes here, man. Good crowd. It's beautiful outside. The patio's open. This is the first time this season that the garage patio's open here at Imperial. And uh, I'll tell you what, man. I've been doing this podcast now for over five years, 560-something episodes, there's not a lot. I'm excited to have every guest. So I want to make sure I give everyone the proper credit or every show I get up for, but few more than this one right here, right now. I am joined by longtime, I love using this word too, legendary sports talk show radio host, WGR 550. Howard Simon is in the house with me. What's going on, Howard? I'm having a good time. I mean, I, you, you gave me free food. I did. I got a drink. We got the Sabres game on. Uh, it's 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 like summer out here now. This is great. You uh, had a nice little chat with my family. My family popped up to see you, man. Uh, my wife, my son. Um, enjoyed some wings. You guys busted on me a little bit. I <laughs> cannot believe that I met someone born and raised here in Buffalo, yeah. in Western New York, who didn't have a chicken wing until he was 33 years old. 33. For all the crap that I got, when it came out on the show that I had never tried peanut butter, I'm sorry. And I got, I, to this day, people are like, oh, I can't believe you didn't try peanut butter. A guy here who didn't eat a wing until 33 trumps no peanut butter. That's fair. The most famous food <laughs> in this region, and you don't try it till you're 33. I'm, I'm sorry, that beats. And but not only that. How was your blue cheese on the wings I that you had tonight? I did not have any, and I do not eat blue cheese. He doesn't eat ranch. <laughs> But he did no blue cheese. Are you sure you're from here? I want to see a birth certificate. <laughs> you, you know what's funny? So whether it's me with wings, whether it's you or peanut butter, I got a bunch of topics that I want to hit on today. We're going to talk about your career, um, your decision to retire from WGR, a little bit of bills, a little bit of savers, stuff like that. But are we a product of, of bad parenting when we were kids or something? Because 
Like most kids would be forced to try peanut butter. Or most kids, especially if you're in Buffalo, New York. Now you're not from Buffalo, so wings weren't as big. But you would think my mother would make me have some At chicken wings. At some point. You're watching a game. You're watching a Super Bowl. There's a party. It's New Year's Eve. At some point, no one had pizza and wings in the house. Pizza and wings? Just pizza, man. You never went to someone's house where they had wings? Probably. And you didn't? try them i i didn't like the sauce oh i didn't think i was gonna like the sauce okay I, maybe the sauce intimidated me so i was like i don't want something that's huh. got some sauce on them okay some hot sauce well, you didn't have to have like suicide wings you could have gone mild <laughs> that is fair oh did, did you like the wings there yes it was They're very good, good. These are i really, had uh i didn't have the cage what was the other one it was we had medium charred medium charred we had uh we also had some uh there were medium and um, the garlic uh, garlic, garlic arm arm. medium yeah. were out there too those were uh really good this place Honestly, Howard, and this is your first time here at Imperial Pizza. This place is a model of consistency. And one thing about whether it's wings or pizza or subs, fingers, whatever it is that you like, the difference between the great places and just the places that are pretty good is that sometimes you'll go somewhere and you know you you and the wife will go to a to a deli or to a, a bar slash restaurant and you'll get some fingers. You'll be like, oh my God, these are so good. Yeah. Right? Then you come back again in a week or two, whether it's with your wife again or by yourself or with a buddy. Like you got to try these fingers; they're great, and they don't taste nothing so, like. Yeah, they don't taste nothing like they did the first time. The Buffalo Sabres scored. This is becoming a pattern, by the way. So again, if you're listening to this on podcast form, this drops Friday morning. If you're watching this on video right now, potentially live, it's Thursday night. We're watching the Sabres game, the final home game of the season, and Yoki Harrow just scored a goal. Yeah, how about Sabres. that? So. Uh, was it Yogi Arrow scored? Yeah. Sure was. Nice shot, too. So one nothing Sabres. Anyway, back to the food. So you know how it is, like a lot of good good places, but not great places, is because they're inconsistent. This place, yeah. if you try those wings and you liked them, you're gonna they're gonna taste the same every good. time you come here. That's and good. on the obvious side, if you don't like something here, you're probably never gonna like it. But it's mm. the consistency about these types of places that uh that I like the most. What are a couple of your um whether it's you, you and the wife, the family, or just yourself? Throughout the years of living here, and you've been here for a very big part of your life now, what are a couple of like your favorite food spots around West New York? Don't have to be wings, just general food. Um, I'm always good for a good steak. So a couple of favorite steakhouses that I like to go to. I don't have a favorite wing place. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a popular question. You know, where where's the wing place? Right. I don't. You and I were talking about it. I've yeah. I've hit the big. I think I've hit the main spots. Yeah. There's a couple you gave me that I that I'm ashamed to admit I haven't been to yet. So I'll do those. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm a steak guy. Uh, I love Italian. You know, anything that's not fruit, I'll eat. You know, no <laughs> no fruit, no spicy stuff. What area in Western New York do you live in? I'm in Amherst. Amherst. Okay. Yeah. A yeah. nice short drive from work. I had a nice five minute commute, which was very convenient. That is a real pause uh, big of having a career. At that time of day, especially in the winter. I mean, look, you have to sleep at 4.30 in the morning when you're driving to work. It's five minutes. I don't yeah. have to worry about getting on any highways or anything. I, I lived in Florida for five years, and I worked remotely from home, so I never had to worry about that. Now, my wife worked at a company where typically it would be a 15- to 20-minute drive, yeah. but you've been in Florida more than enough to know this. It's not traffic, there is traffic, no 15-minute drive. Traffic is crazy, yeah. and it takes one accident, and yeah. that's it in, in Florida, yep. and then that 15-minute ride becomes a 90-minute ride. Every time I go away, if I go down to Tampa or anywhere, a lot of places I travel, and we, I go home to see my family in New York. I, I can't handle driving around New York City traffic, and I just can't. I'm like, we have it really good. 
I'm never going to complain about Transit Road or the Water Tower or Niagara Falls Boulevard, like our traffic hotspots or Grand Island bridges. It's, it's, it's right. easy. It's easy. <laughs> I was um so I had Joe DiBiase from WGR on the show with me just here last week, and one of the things we were talking about, I mentioned that you were going to be on the show this week, and you've reached in Buffalo anyway that level of um. I don't know, fame's not the right word, but prominence here in Western New York that you're known more by just people saying Howard. Like, for everyone else, it's Patrick Moran, it's Joe DiBiase, it's Jeremy White, it's Nate Gary, it's Sal Capaccio, the coach. It's Howard. Like, you've reached that Beyonce, Madonna, where they only get Shakira. Hmm. They're one name. I don't know about that. Knows you as Howard. I do. I don't think. I think that there's another guy with the same first name who has a very popular satellite radio show. All right, well, not in Buffalo. Though. Okay, I'm just saying he might have the corner on that market <laughs> in terms of the name. But no, it's cool. I mean, look, look. You know, when you're in the same market for thirty something years, like the stuff about legend. I mean, it's nice, but I laugh. I'm like, you know, when they call people legend, they call people legend because they've been around for 30, 40 years. Sure. You just have to be old. It's legend that equals old been doing the same job for a long time legend so that's i you know legend should be saved for like the greats in our business Two nothing sabers. i'm right. telling you it happens every week here last week joe dibiase and i are here there's 13 goals scored two a couple weeks before that i had tyler down here that's the, the game that dallas put up a 10 spot so yeah if you bet the under you're screwed right now i'm gonna tell you that right well now. it was a scoreless first period oh, we start true. doing the show boom they're scoring <laughs> that is true so anyway, yeah, so you've been here a long time, obviously, and, and you've made your name for yourself over the course of, of decades of, of work. That's part of it. But one of my favorite things about you, and I'm sure a lot of people would agree with this, is that you always took the job serious. I'm not going to sit here and say that you didn't take your job serious because you definitely took your job serious at WGR through all those years. But I feel like you never took yourself too serious. Like on the air, on Twitter, social media you you both funded yourself with the best of them like you have a, a self-deprecating type of humor about you you don't mind well, you know, it's harmless fun but you know what i'm saying you you just some people on the air or in the media not necessarily radio or tv or any one specific thing but there's people in the media whether it's just mark or other markets i feel like they tend to take themselves too serious not gonna need names it doesn't matter who it yeah. is what we're talking about here but when it comes to you, I just feel like you've never taken yourself too serious. Like you've had fun with a lot of things. Like people making fun of you about the peanut butter thing, for an example. Just a million things. You know what I mean? You just never take yourself too serious. Yeah, hang on. I brought a, I got to take off something to show everybody. What else do they make fun of me about? <laughs> oh, there they are. The dad sneakers. <laughs> I like, although they called them grandpa sneakers, grandpa I think. Sneakers. But I call them dad sneakers. So how about, how about the new pair? <laughs> Broke out sweet. the new pair for the show. Well, those are nice. Yeah, man. yeah. I haven't even used them to do any lawn work yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, Pat. I just, yeah, I, I took the job seriously because you should. It's your livelihood, and you know. And, and honestly, at the end of the day, my name, no matter where I've been, solo teaming with Jeremy, whatever, mm -hmm. my name's attached to my work. So why wouldn't you take it seriously? You know, at the end of the day, it's you want people to appreciate what you do. And if your name's attached to it, you better seriously approach sure. your job. What's the point of doing the job if you're not going to be serious right. about it? But I don't, there's, I mean, I don't know. It's just, um, I don't take, my, I'm not at that level. 
that I should have airs about me or feel like I'm more elite than anybody else. I'm not at that level. You know, maybe maybe like the superstars in our business, the network guys. I don't know. I've never met Al Michaels. I, I suppose if Al Michaels was like that, you might understand it. Sure. I'm just a guy that does a show in Buffalo. There is just like no, I'm nothing special. Honest. I mean, there are other people who do my job and as well or better. So there was never any reason to, to like carry a certain air around me and think, who the hell are you? I'm Howard Simon. Like, oh, I would, I would hate to be that person. I haven't earned it. I'm not that person. And I just figured the self-deprecation before everybody makes fun of me on the show or on Twitter, I might as well do it myself. You know, yeah. I might as well cut to the chase and beat everybody else to the punch. It's coming. So I might as well do it myself. Yeah. Um, like I said, to me, it's a, it's an endearing trait though, because I have come across a lot of people who just tend to take things, everything serious. But like I said, you take your job and you always have taken the job serious. One of my favorite things about having different media guests on through the years of this show is the different ways in which people were introduced to what event ultimately became their line of work, whether it's writing or, or radio or television or whatever it may be. And you get guys like Scalia, who at five years old, he knew this is what he was going to do. You get guys like Matt Perino, who had no clue what he was going to do, pretty much dropped out of college at one point and then figured out what he was going to do and yeah. get it. When it comes to you, was this something you feel that you were born for? Did you know at a young age when you were a kid growing up in Long Island? You were born in Brooklyn, right? And, born and in Brooklyn, up, and, and then up in my Long family Island. moved to Long Island. Yeah. yeah. Did, were you young when you knew that this was something that you wanted to do? Was yeah. It pretty much right away. Yeah. By age ten, you know, I have the same story that a lot of people in our business do. It's a little bit different because of my background. So I grew up on Long Island. So of course, you know, sports. Mm -hmm. New York had professional two professional teams in every league. So there was a lot of professional sports going on for me to grow up around. But my dad was uh, the television director for the Mets, the Knicks, and the Rangers. Okay. He, would, he directed their telecast for Channel 9 in New York and later MSG. So we grew up around the games. We were constantly going to the Garden. We were constantly going to Shea. We met players. We met managers. We met coaches. We met broadcasters. So we were exposed to the broadcasting and the sports. So I got the bug through my dad. I became a big sports fan. I started watching the games. Uh, it's the typical nerdy story of the kid with the cassette recorder watching, you know, the game on television and recording yeah. the game like your Marv Albert doing Ranger mm -hmm. games. I mean, I, I did all that stuff. So, yeah, I knew 8, 9, 10, somewhere in there, Pat. I knew that I never had a desire to do anything else in my life. I said, I'm going into broadcasting. It's going to be sports, and that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, knock on wood, it worked out. It worked out great. I was going to ask you if there was a specific reason why you became a Mets fan and not a Yankees fan in New York. Now, I know the areas that you live in kind of can dictate that to a certain extent, but you're saying your, your dad was working. Was my da well, did it have something new? You become a Mets fan originally? It was before that. I mean, he did work for the team, but my mom and dad grew up big Brooklyn Dodger fans. Okay. Well, if you were a Brooklyn Dodger fan in the 1950s, you hated the New York Yankees and the 40s. Because the Brooklyn Dodgers, whenever they made the World Series, would lose to the New York Yankees. It's 2-2. Two -two. We, we jinxed them, I think. They scored two goals. Two goals, yeah. <laughs> so so they grew Lord. up not liking the Yankees at all because they used to beat their Dodgers. All right, so the Dodgers leave Brooklyn. They go out to California. Mm -hmm. My dad was actually working in Pittsburgh, ends up getting a job in New York, works for the Mets. But there was no way we're rooting for the Yankees right. because they hated the Yankees. Both my parents couldn't stand them. So when he worked for them, it just kind of cemented it. 
but we were raised as Mets fans. There was no question about it. No one in our household was ever going to root for the Yankees. <laughs> Just wasn't going to happen. Now, I'm old enough to uh, – I was a younger teenager when the Mets won the World Series in 86. We were talking about this over our wings for at least a couple minutes. I was a Yankees fan. I wasn't a Mets fan. But I just hated the Red Sox. So sure. when they played the Red Sox in the World Series, I obviously was rooting for the Mets to win. That's a hell of a team, though, man. Some bigger than life players with yeah. Strawberry and, yeah. and Doc Gooden, man. That was uh that had to be a was that your first experience at, at following a team that won a championship? I I can't think of someone else might have before it, it, that. The the teams that won championships in New York, I was I wasn't like a huge sports fan yet. Like the Mets won in 69. I wasn't following sports. Mm -hmm. When the Mets won the World Series in 69. I was probably playing with my train set. I just didn't right, care about right, it. Right, right, right. But I, when I started getting into sports in the early 70s, the Knicks won two world championships. The Knicks had great teams back then. Willis Reed, Walt Frazier, Dave DeBuscher, Bill Bradley. So I And I went to see them. They beat the Lakers. I went to an NBA championship game in 73 when they beat the Lakers. But I wasn't like crazy into sports then. I was 10, 11 years old. I don't remember the Jets winning the Super Bowl again. That was 68, I think. Right. So the first real championship for me as like a crazy fan of the team was the 86 Mets. And growing up in that time and in that part of New York, what was the biggest sport? Like right now, football is the biggest sport no matter where you are. Was football the biggest sport when you were a young kid that you remember? Or was baseball and basketball, at least in New York, bigger? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember football as that big. I mean, the Jets were, you know, they had the Super Bowl and then they were kind of bad for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I growing up for me, I always felt like it was very much a mixture. I don't think it was like you couldn't say to me New York was a blank town. I mean, it's a big Giants town, but it's a huge Yankees town. But again, the Knicks were dominant in the 70s. The Rangers were really good back then. They made it to a cup final, lost to the Bruins one year. I never got a sense that the town was crazy over one team or one league more than the others. If you had to make me pick one, I suppose I would have to pick the Yankees. Mm -hmm. So you grew up in Long Island. What led you to going to Buff State? Because that's where you went to college and ultimately where you're, you know, you would kickstart your career off. But what led to going to Buff State? Were there other schools that you considered going to? Yeah. I applied to Syracuse. Yeah. That's a great, but I couldn't afford, we couldn't afford Syracuse. <laughs> so that I mean, was a great broadcasting program, sure. Newhouse. Yeah. So I, I, I did apply to Syracuse, but uh, this is 1980 now. I don't know what it is now, but back then it was $30,000. That wasn't going to happen. So I actually applied to Michigan State. I was accepted. I was going to go there. But Buff State, my brother actually went here, Pat, for a couple of years. Okay. So I kind of knew a little bit. He had told me about the college. He told me about the campus radio station. They have a really good broadcast program. I didn't want to be too far from home. It's a 50-minute plane flight. Uh, they had professional teams. They had the Bills. They had the Sabres. So, and the tuition was really good. So I think it was like $1,500 for a year back then. Yeah. We were SUNY tuition. So it all kind of added up, and, and it turned out to be the best decision I ever made. I loved my four years there. Did you love living in Buffalo early on? I'm not talking about the, the uh, education aspect. I'm just talking about being, being young and living here. Now, you spend most of your career here, but not your entire career. You've had stops in Elmira and, and Toledo, Toledo, Ohio as yeah. well. But yeah. like. Did you fall in love with Buffalo rather quickly, or was it like one of those acquired tastes? No, I, I loved it. I just thought it was a cool place to be. I mean, I lived on campus the first two years, but then the last two years we moved off campus. A whole bunch of us had a house off Grant Street. Mm -hmm. I know, technically, it's called a house, but it was really kind of a typical 
slum kind of housing that college kids live in that are really cheap. So I I got that. I got that experience. You know, we would go downtown. We get the bus on Elmwood by Rockwell Hall. We go downtown and and check out downtown a little bit. So I I learned to like Buffalo a lot. Honestly, I left here in 84. If someone would offer me a job out of college here, I would have snapped it. I spent five years working in other places trying to get back to Western New York because I really enjoyed it here. Do you remember the opportunity when it came to get back here to Western New York? Does, does that oh, pretty oh much yeah. I, yeah, I was working in Toledo, and the place I was at actually had changed formats, so they became a country music station, the AM side. I was playing country music. What the hell do I know about country music? I wasn't a DJ anyway. I wanted to do sports, but mm-hmm. they really didn't do much sports. So I, I was playing country music. A buddy of mine that I went to college with at Buff State was working at WJJL Radio in Niagara Falls. They were looking for a sports guy. He gave them my name. They called me up. I interviewed for the job. And I i mean, I probably would have done the job for free because it got me back to Western New York. And it was a full-time sports job. I'd never had that before. Yeah. So it was play-by-play. It was anchoring sports casts. It was covering the Bills. It was covering the Sabres. It was like my dream job. So I jumped at that opportunity to come back here. And so, yeah, that, thank God it worked out. It was great. Now, I could sit here and, and we could talk about your career at WGR for literally this entire night. I kind of want to get, though, to to the end of your career at WGR. Like, so you, you signed off for the last time in early March last month. When did you start to come up? When did you start to decide that, you know, this is going to be the end of the road. You, you, you don't want to do this for a living anymore. You know, the grind of, of talking sports every day. Was there a specific time? Like, was it a process over a longer period of time? Or did you kind of like wake up over the course of a couple of days and say, you know what, I've, I've had my run here. I mean, it's time to do something else. It, it was a process. I kind of, it, it started as I got older and did the job longer and longer. Mm-hmm. You could see, I could just tell the energy, the enthusiasm, you know, the waking up at four o'clock, the, all the stuff. I, I could just tell I just didn't have the same drive that I had had for the job. I would say I knew for sure I first went to management summer of 2021, August. I think it was August of 21 said, guys, I don't really want to do this anymore, but it it just, it wasn't the right time to pull back. Long story short, we got through that football season. I went to them again in the spring of 22 and said, look, I just, I I don't really want to do this. I'd like to be done with this if possible. And they were really cool about, look, we don't want you to be done. What if we, scaled back your schedule let's mm-hmm. try that and see is it okay what what do you, you know they said well how about monday tuesday friday you know monday because it's football monday sure, yeah. tuesday it's still we're talking bills friday football three days a week football season and let's see how it goes and we'll talk to you again in the spring i'm like okay great fine because i thought three days a week i can handle it and it was nice having wednesday and thursday off but even three days a week pat I, I still felt that same grind. I still felt tired. It just, I could not recharge the batteries. So I knew even at three days a week, I knew I was done. Um, and it was time. It was time for a number of reasons. I went to them in, in February and said, guys, that's it. On March 6th, they said, are you sure? I said, I'll tell you what, fellas, on March 6th, I'm on a plane to Tampa and I booked a one-way ticket. So, cause I'm not sure when I'm coming back. And I think they knew at that point, that was it. One of my uh, favorite athletes growing up was Mike Tyson, and I, I'll never forget this. At the very end of his career, he lost. I don't remember who he lost. So you know how his, the end of his career was. Yeah. 
I'm not comparing Howard Simon to Mike Tyson. By wow, I'm mean. washed up. Okay, <laughs> no, thanks, that's Pat. not what I meant. Hey, this has really been fun. <laughs> that's not what I meant. What I meant was in his post-fight interview, and this was after a loss, he admitted it. He goes, I just lost the oh, passion. Yeah. He goes, I didn't yeah. want to train anymore for this yeah. fight. I just, I didn't have it in me anymore. Yep. You kind of feel like to some extent that's kind of how it progressed 100%. 100%. You know, I, I know the moment, too. Like, I know I felt it. I remember reading a story. There was a guy in Dallas by the name of Dale Hansen, mm-hmm. famous sportscaster down there, a legend of the market. He'd done, you know, he worked there for years, and he retired. It was actually Keith Radford. When Keith Radford retired from Channel 7, same deal, right? Been on the air forever. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Alan Pergamon did a story about it. And Radford quoted Dale Hansen in the story about when you know it's time. And it was worse to the effect of when you, when you don't have that passion, the energy, and that drive that you have to have to do the job, you know, it's time. I remember reading that thinking, yeah, that's me. I, 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 I knew it was time. And look, quite honestly, you know, towards the end, I, I said this on the show, last year or two, I, my skills were slipping. I knew that. I also did not want to be that guy. I did not want to be a broadcaster because I've seen it who hung on too long. And, and people start like, oh, wow. You know, they kind of feel sorry for you because you just your game slips, right? And I didn't want to do that. And I felt it was slipping. You know, I'm not going to lie. My memory isn't what it used to be. I'm 60. I'm going to be 61 in June. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time recalling specific moments from games. People always joke about my yellow legal pad. I know Joe brought it up with you. Yeah, he did. (laughs) It's because I can't remember all this stuff. I've got to write down stuff from Sabres and Bills games. So, you know, I could tell my memory was going, and it just was getting harder and harder to do the job the way the job is supposed to be done. So I, I 100% get Mike Tyson, but I didn't want to be the boxer who hung on so long. Right. He was losing to Joe Palooka, and people going, boy, this is sad. You didn't see this guy fighting his prime, man. He was the best. Right. I, I don't want to go out that way. Right. I completely understand. And now, look, when you work for the popular radio station in town, you know, the, the radio station that carries Bills games, that carries Sabres games, I feel like, you could put almost anybody on the air, and to a certain extent, you're still going to get some sort of listenership. Mm-hmm. But to have sustained success over a long period of time, besides talent, you also need to have chemistry. And one of my favorite things through the years uh, about you and Jeremy is the the chemistry that you developed with him. T- talk about that a little bit. What Jerry meant meant to you, and I, don't, I hate saying it in past tense, but yeah. these guys are still good friends to this day. But you know, working together, what he meant to you as a partner and to some extent you were a mentor to him and now which is funny we were talking about this last week and you and i were talking about this over wings joe now jeremy's becoming yeah. the old guy not old but he's becoming the older guy who's you know he's got the younger guy working with him now it's kind of going full circle for him i thought jeremy and i were good friends until you told me that you asked him to show I up did. tonight <laughs> and he said no he was going golfing so <laughs> apparently we're not good friends i i'll have to ask him about this no He's, he's fantastic. You know, and, and actually, I, the last comment, I forgot to – the other thought I wanted to add was I'll get to Jeremy, but but last year or two, honestly, he 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 carried the show at times, mm-hmm. you know, to the point of my level of play, so to speak, slipping a little bit. You know, he I, I would just – there would be times I would just kind of run out of things to say. I just – I wouldn't know what to say next. And he was always there, and he knew it. He could detect it. I mean, we don't have, I mean, I don't, we don't have scripts. It's not sure. like, it, oh, Howard made all his points. What? Okay. He would just know, and he would go out of his way to 
kind of cover for me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to care, he really carried the show the last couple of years. And I, I feel bad. I apologize to him the night of my going away party for doing that to him, but he's, he's super. He really is tremendous. It honestly became almost like, like a married couple. Yeah. Like we knew what the other person was thinking. You know, we knew we would have like, say Don Granado would be on and, and I would have my list of questions and everything. And I'd go through a few, five or six questions. And I can't tell you how many times we would be having a guest on, and the very next question I was going to go to, Chairman raised his hand on you. Okay, he wanted to get a question in. It would be the question I had next on my list. Like he knew exactly, I knew what he was going to think. He knew what I was going to think. We just had, yeah, he's he's so easy to work with. I, I mean, I could sit here and talk all night about him. He's brilliant. He's extremely talented. He is network material. I said this on our sign off. It yeah. wasn't just being nice because we were crying at each other yeah. for 20 minutes. Kid could have worked, kid. He could work in New York, LA, ESPN, you name it. He's that good. He's that good. He, he just, the way his brain works, what he knows is good for the show, the topics, what's good at what point, how to keep things going in the show. Pat, he is like the textbook guy you would want running a talk show. And, you know, to your point about the listeners and the longevity, look, there's only one all sports radio station in Buffalo. Right. So we kind of have the market cornered. But still, there's a lot of competition out there. There are other music stations. There are other sports outlets. There's podcasts. There's everything. Yeah. For us to hold the audience and to have the ratings we had, we were the number one rated morning show in our demographic for I don't know how long now. It's it's really it's pretty amazing. And he, he was a huge part of it. Listen, I, I don't know Jeremy well on a personal level, but professionally, listen to him. Well, there's not many people in this market that I respect more than uh, Jeremy White for lots of reasons, for sports reasons, for the way he's opened up about a lot of yeah. things yeah. in his life. I got a, a world of respect for him. You mentioned stuff like podcasts, like this podcast or, or vidcast that you see on YouTube now all the time, alternative forms of, of, of talking. Um, with the guys at the radio station mindful of that now? You, all, you guys have also worked really well with bringing some of those people in and, if anything, getting them exposure. We talked about right. over dinner tonight, Joe Marino, right? Um, you know, as one of those guys. But you've been mindful of yeah. like the alternative media and how it's progressed and gotten more popular as well, too, right? Yeah, and I, I, I can't – I mean, I've never been worried about it. We never, ever had management come to us and say, hey, you can't get this guy on. He's got his own podcast. Right. Because there's a place for a lot of this stuff. It's sure. just – you know, you can still listen to us, whether it's live – not us. I'm sorry. Them. You can still listen to them. <laughs> that's going to take you a while. Yeah, that's weird. You can still listen to GR. You can listen to Jeremy and Joe live from 6 to 10. Or if you got something else you want to catch, guess what? There's on-demand audio at our website. You can go yeah, back and listen right. to it. So there, there's, I think there's a place for you and for Joe and for everybody out there. Sal and Matt do a podcast. Matt Bove from Channel yeah. 7. So there's so much content out there. So there's competition. But... We were never worried like, oh, my God, don't say don't get that guy on and have Joe Marino plug his podcast because it'll take audience. We never worried about that. stuff. Right. Right. Never. Now, when it comes to the your sign off day, which I believe which was uh, March 3rd earlier in the show, I'm talking to you about being, you know, self-deprecating humor, making fun of yourself a little bit, having just having fun with stuff, taking off your sneakers and show me your sweet ass air monarchs. <laughs> but in all seriousness. You're a sentimental guy too, and and this stuff means a lot to you. And 
you saw on social media, whether it's people calling you or reaching out to you, text or talking about you on the radio or just people on Twitter opening up about, you know, the contributions that you've made to this market and to this industry for all these years, man, and just floods of well-deserved compliments coming in your way. How they make you feel? I know that's kind of a cliche question. Yeah. It's a rhetorical question, but let people who are listening or watching this know, you know, just sitting back and seeing a lot of the stuff people were saying about you. How did it make you feel? Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It really was. Um, I don't like to talk about it because I don't like to talk about myself. It makes me very uncomfortable. I initially had told, like, I actually went to Jeremy. Jeremy had told me the final show, don't book any guests. Don't plan for any topics. Don't do any prep. Right. We're going to do stuff. And, I'm, and I initially had gone to them. Honest to God, this is going to sound crazy. When I first, when they first realized, when I told them, March 3rd is my last day. I'm done. That's my final show. Honestly, Pat, for me, we could have done a normal show. My plan was we do a normal show. I didn't even want to announce it. You know, the, the stations, it was the station's idea. Two weeks prior, they said, write an article, tell people you're leaving. But I don't want to really, I didn't really want to do that. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, I just wanted to show up the last day and get to the final segment and go, hey, by the way, this is my last show. <laughs> Give me like five minutes. Everybody's great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Goodbye. And they just like, no, we can't do that. So it wasn't my idea to do the show. Having said that, thank God Jeremy doesn't listen to me because that was amazing. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't want to, I'll get emotional now if I start talking about it, but it meant a lot. It really did. It meant a lot. And, you know, I, I wrote this in the article and I said on the air and I really meant this. I did something that I wanted to do. Okay. I really wanted to work in sports. I wanted to be a broadcaster. It was my dream job and I did it. But at some point I sat there and I thought, am I making a difference in the community? I'm not a firefighter. I don't save people from burning buildings. I'm not a policeman. I don't stop crime. I'm not a politician to make legislation that helps people. I'm not a teacher that educates and shapes the future of our country. I don't do any of that stuff. I sit down in a chair. I yell and scream about the Bills and Sabres. Like, how good is that? What difference does that make in a community? So the, the, the stuff I got back from people who talked about what it meant for me and Jeremy and being there at fan TV and all this stuff. And, you know, I listened to you and now I've grown up and my kids listen to you. And people would call about, you helped me get through an illness. You helped me get through a divorce. You helped me get through a tough time in my life. I mean, I was floored. I knew we had listeners, but I just thought, eh, whatever, it's a sports show, Pat. So I'll never be able to thank everybody. I thought about going on Twitter, just saying it again, and I, I didn't. There's no way I could ever thank everybody for the tweets, the emails, everything I received. The social media has been unbelievable. It made me feel great. It meant so much to me, my wife, my son, my family, the, the city of Buffalo. It's Howard Simon Day, the county legislature, the Bison's first pitch. This is stuff I really didn't expect, but I know I'm sorry I'm running off at the mouth. No, no, I, no, I, no, no, no. I don't think people... Folks will never fully understand how much all of their comments meant to me. Deeply, deeply reached me. And I, I can never say thank you enough for what people said to me after I left. Well, a couple of things before we get to a, a quick break here. Yeah, and let's stop talking about mind, me. Well, no, we're not, not quite yet. You're, you're not from Buffalo, but you're a Buffalonian. You know what? You know? Somebody tweeted that, 
not to single one thing out, right? But somebody tweeted that. And that struck me more than anything else because yeah. I know what it means to be a Buffalonian. Right. If, you're, if you're not born and raised and you go into a city and that city embraces you to the point where they say, you're a Buffalonian. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's the top. There is no better than someone saying you're one of us. Yeah. I, whoever tweeted me that, I, I got to tell you, it was the greatest of everything I got because you cannot get any better than you're one of us. Yeah, and it's true. It, it really is true. And you're right, man. You know, so you're not a firefighter and you do talk about sports, but being a Buffalonian, you know this town and you know how they feel about sports and you know how important sports are and you know how entertaining sports are and you know how fun they are and you know how dramatic they <laughs> and are stressful. and how stressful they are. <laughs> Look no further than Sabres Tank here. We can have an whole episode about that alone. We're not going to go down that route today. But you know what it's like. And so having these shows to get people's mind off of yeah. deaths yeah. and debt and you know bad things that have happened, yeah. it, it does matter. It, it makes a significant difference. One other thing, too. You mentioned this in passing. And if people who are watching or listening might not know this, March 3rd was officially <laughs> Howard Simon Day here in Buffalo. Yeah. I, I thought that was really cool. I saw the mayor had tweeted that out. I'm like, I don't know a lot of people. I've interviewed a lot of people here. I've made a lot of friends, but I don't know a lot of people in Buffalo that have had their own day. No, yeah. I, and I, but it didn't get me free drinks that night or free parking because <laughs> we went out, had a party downtown, and, uh, you know, I, there was no band. So, or anything like that. So, but it, no, that was cool. Um, that was, I'm going to guess that was a lot of that was Mike DeGeorge. Mike works for the mayor. Mm -hmm. Mike and I are good friends. We work together at Empire and he called the show. He called my final show mm -hmm. to announce that it was Howard Simon Day. So that the, the thing about county legislature getting a proclamation, which I thought was an April Fool's joke, uh, was pretty cool. So yeah, that's, that's, that's all like, <laughs> you just sit there and go, guys, all I did was talk about sports. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't solve cure anything. You know, I, all I did was rant about the bills and sabers. I got a comment up here for the people who are watching this on the stream and I'm going to take a break. We're going to come back on the other side <laughs> and hit on this. It says, Howard, hope you're having a much more relaxing sports watching experience these days. New York Mets, notwithstanding quick break. And we'll come right back. I want to ask you about that. Cause I got a couple things to uh, get out when it comes to that. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back here live at Imperial Pizza in South Buffalo. Great wings, great vibe, great Sabres game going on. I think there is a face off, so I can't see the score right now. I think they're, are they losing? They're, I, think, I think it's 3 2. Yep, yeah, it's 3 2 Ottawa, three straight unanswered goals. Like I said, these wild hockey games happen every time I do a show here at um, Imperial. So a, a fan, Mike, said something about you having a much more relaxing sports experience these days. Since you have retired from WGR, is it a little bit easier to watch sports now to consume sports? Is because now you're in essence just a fan. Yeah. Do you, do, do you still like get triggered by some things from the, all the years of the job that makes you maybe want to write down some notes or no talking voice? No. 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 Never. 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 It is. It is a little bit easier. I'm not gonna lie. I have. Not watched every Saber game since March 3rd. Right. You know, I'm on Twitter every day because I am a sports fan. Sure. So I'm not completely going to go, hey, goodbye sports. You don't exist. Right. I can't go cold turkey. But, you know, if if the Sabres are playing and the game's not going well, guess what? I get to turn it off yeah. now. A real fan now. <laughs> you know, or, or yeah, if I get upset, I'm like, I can't take this. I do it with the Mets. If the Mets are making me angry. I'll go watch something. I'll go watch a rerun of Family Guy. I'll just go watch something to make me laugh. So I, I am aware of what's going on. I do not live and die with what's going on because, honestly, part of another reason why it was time to get out at the end was I was really having a hard time with the losses. The losses were just affecting me too much. You know, and I don't coach. I don't play. Right. I didn't have, like, money invested into it, but I was just that – the loss to the Bengals in the playoffs, the 13 seconds, the Sabres drought. I mean, it was just draining. It really was. And I just, I didn't want to have to be miserable over my teams. So since I'm gone, my teams might still make me unhappy at times, but I don't stress out over it. I don't live and die. And if it's getting to a point where I need to, a break from a game, I will turn the game off. And that is a really does it feel cool nice to be able feeling. To do that? I got I haven't done it in 30 years. Gotta tell you, it's nice. It really is. <laughs> With one of your over the last at least handful of years at WGR, one of, if not the most popular segment, not just of your show, but of all the shows, somehow became Howard Picks the Bills. I mean, people talk about that all the time. Now yeah. I probably win. When news broke that you were going to be retiring from WGR, and I'm looking at my mentions and, you know, other people tweeting, probably in first place was well wishes. Not all <laughs> that far behind, though, was probably is Howard still going to pick the Bills. Are you coming back to pick the Bills? still going to pick the Bills? How did that start originally? And yeah. at what point did you realize that this is really starting to take off? That was all Jeremy. That's what I'm, yeah. I'm telling you. The guy, he is, he was the genius behind the show. Um. I'm not sure if he'd be the, the the straight guy or the, if he was Abbott or Costello, but whatever. <laughs> he was the genius behind the show. That was his idea. 
like, oh, there's this, you know what? Let's go through the schedule and you'll pick how the games are going to turn out. I'm like, yeah, sure, fine. It kills kills a segment. Bills talk, great, let's do it. And it was easy. It wasn't heavy lifting, right? So I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I don't get it. It's just me picking whether they win or lose. What's the big deal? Everybody does it. I'm not the only person that does it. We all do it. Fans do it. Other media do it. Everybody does it. It took on a life of its own, though. It it, it it did, and I have no idea. I think it took on a life of its own because at some point I started getting like, do we really have to do this again? And I think people kind of got a kick out of how much it would you know, be portrayed that, oh, Howard's kicking and screaming. He doesn't want to pick. So whatever. You know what? I have no idea why it became such a big deal, but it's cool that it did. Uh, we know fans like to listen to the segment or they would listen to it on demand. You're right. I got a lot of tweets. You know, when I first said I was leaving was, please tell me you're coming back to pick the bills. People would, you know, tweet at me like I'll drive to work and I will sit in the parking lot to listen to pick the bills. (laughs) I would have parents talk about, we get the kids in the car and time out the drive to school in time to hear pick the bills. So it, it became this enormous thing. And, I don't know, Pat. It's just I've never understood why it became what it did. Through all the years of doing radio and interviewing countless amounts of people, whether it was with Jeremy or whether you were doing it on your own, I mean, one or two guests that really stick out, like people that you really through the years enjoy talking to on the air. Wow. That's a great question. I wish you would have given me time to think about it. And we're talking about 18 years of guests. Yeah. So I... I, I know there's an answer in there that's going to be there. There will there will have been guests over time where we will get done with a segment and we'll go to the break and I'll just turn to Jeremy and go, "Wow, that guy was awesome." Yeah. Unfortunately, none come into my brain right now <laughs> to tell you. Well, I tell you, we had. Um, I hate to just the guy Kevin Harlan was on with us. Okay. I think we had never had him on before, and he came on within the last couple of years, and he was outstanding. It was such a fun interview. So it, it isn't just lo- – like, there are local guys. We love doing the show with Lindy Ruff. Sure, yeah, yeah. On every Tuesday when he was coaching. He was always entertaining. Granado's a great interview. Um, so there were guys locally that we love. I love Marty Baron. He's always fantastic. Rob Ray. But there were national guys too. But, yeah, I wish I could tell you, but um, – there's so many over the years. I couldn't tell you like one that comes out and like it's greatest interview ever. Did it bother you through the years being the, the station that covers Bill's games and covers Sabres games, even though it's unequivocally not true, fans would complain and say, oh, they're soft on the Bills. Yeah. They're soft yeah. on the Sabres because, you know, they run the radio station or, or whatever. Like you guys weren't allowed to really say anything negative about the team, which again, I know. Plenty of people at WGR have a great relationship with Sale, and I, I know this to not be true. Yeah. Does that bother you, though, when you would hear stuff like that? Yeah, because it's not true. Look, right. we, it, but it, it, it's, it, it exists. Mm-hmm. It exists here. It exists anywhere. Sure. You go to another city, and you're going to hear, well, they're the flagship station, so they're going to treat the fill-in-the-blank team with kid gloves. No, it doesn't happen. Look, when I was at NSA, we were owned by the owner of the Sabres. Yeah. And, you know, quite honestly, GR at the time, the competition, would, would run – liners and talk about how we're shills for the sabers and it used to drive me crazy because we're not the regus has never came to us and said take it easy on the team and nor did anybody come to me and anybody else at gr and go inside the bills drought they never went to jeremy and i and said guys lighten up on the bills and the same thing about the sabers no and quite honestly 
I, I don't know that it would have come to, okay, well, then I quit, but it gets to credibility. I told you at the top, my name's attached to everything I say. Sure. At the end of the day, I got to live with what I say, good and bad. I got to respect what I say. I'm not going to, if someone tells me, hey, if the Bills play badly, go easy. That's not how the job works. I can't do that. How do I live with myself at the end of the day? Nice. If they're bad, they're bad. And there were plenty of bad teams, bad GMs, bad coaches, bad everything. So you got to, you know, no one ever said that to us. It's a fallacy. And at the end of the day, all of us, I think I speak for Jeremy and Mike and Bulldog and now Joe. This is our opinion. This is our credibility. You say what you're feeling, because if you're not, you're not going to have the credibility or the respect of the listeners. Couldn't agree more. So now a lot of things, and I, I get the sense talking to you tonight that you're really at peace with oh, yeah. your decision to, yep. to, to retire from WHL. There's no question about that. I'm very happy for you. Is there anything about the job, though, that you miss? Like, what do you miss most about not being on the air, whether it's five days a week, whether it's three days a week, whatever it may be? There's got to be like one or two things that you miss. No, not really. You're completely 100% at peace. What about the callers? Was that always a thing that you enjoyed, or was that something that could be really stressful? Let me tell you a quick story before you answer, too. I was talking to Joe about this a week ago. I told the story a couple times on this show. When I was a teenager, back in those days, um, the coach, Chuck Dickerson, I think, was on the radio. Yeah. And my, my friend and I would call him intentionally in troll oh, and yeah. say something stupid. Oh, and, and of purpose. course, Chuck, the easygoing guy that he right. was, well, you would really have to work hard to push his button. Right. It's like when you're, you know, when you know these little kids, you can make them cry easy. And then you're a bad kid. You make the kid cry on purpose because you know you can. Anyway, so we would call the coach and uh, my friend would say, yo, we need to, you need to trade on your read right now while there's still some trade value for him. And that's not true. Right. We would do it just so the coach would go right. on one of his lunatic uh, yep. rants back on the customer. But anyway, I should ask you if you missed the callers or not, but how did you deal with some of the most extreme callers? Like, that could probably ruin your day, I would imagine. Um, I tried not to. I don't miss anything about the job. No, mm -hmm. I really don't. I had my run. I'm very, very happy not yeah. doing that. But it doesn't mean I didn't love my job. I'm just really glad it's done. I miss the people. Yeah. I do. I very much miss the people. I knew I would. I'll get to the callers, but I, I miss the people in the building. I miss Jeremy and Brayton and Joe. I miss the morning crew at BEN, uh, Randy and Susan and Brian and Joe Beamer. I mean, I, mean, I kiss Wee's over there, Rob Lucas at Star. We, we had like our own little family, sure. the morning, because yeah. we're all crazy enough to be there at five o'clock in the morning and everybody else is home sleeping. So we kind of got like, we became like a nice tight-knit family. So I do miss the people. I don't miss the job. The callers, how do I phrase this? I love getting calls. And, I th and I'm sure there were times where I fell, someone called and trolled to do exactly what you did. Yeah. And me, I wasn't smart enough to have the filter to think, are they legit or are they trolling? Like, you know, calling up, say, this coach should be fired or trade this guy. And we'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? So I'm sure there were times I fell into the trap where someone said, I'm just going to call up and say something outrageous, and let's see if he yells at me, and it worked. Um, but no, the, the callers, I mean, you want, that, you want that feedback, right? Jeremy and I could sit there and talk for four hours and fill time easy. Sure. But that's, you know, I want to hear what the people have to say about the Bills, the Sabres, the Yankees, the Mets, whatever. I love getting calls. Now, are there some that can make me nuts? 
Sure. That's okay. But but there are things that I would have said over the years that make plenty of listeners nuts. They'd like, what the hell are you saying, Howard? You're so cra- <laughs> you're crazy. You're dead wrong. So it, it's it's part and parcel that comes with it. So yeah, no, I, I lo- always love the feedback, Pat. I the more calls we get, for me, it's more entertaining because there's like a give and take. There's an actual, I know you're out there listening, right? But when they call in, it's just that kind of a physical give and take, like a connection. Mm-hmm. That makes a difference for me. I always love shows where we get lots of calls. I'll never forget calls back in the day where people would say, you know, it's time to move on from Jim Kelly, Frank Reich's writing. Oh, my, my first my first, uh, first month at BEN was the month of Super Bowl 27 because um, Murph was on the broadcast, right? He was working the Super Bowl, so I had to fill in. And uh, I think Rick Maloney was at BEN at the time. He traveled. He was probably covering the game. So they put me on the post-game show. We did not have the broadcast, I don't think, right? It would have been, yeah, it was on GR. We didn't have the game, but we did a post-game show. So my first month, I am doing the post-game show of the blowout after Dallas. And we had people calling saying, trade Jim Kelly, Frank Reich should be our starter. We had people calling saying, fire Marv Levy, he'll never win the big one, which, of course, he doesn't win the Super Bowl. But anyway, right? so yeah, we got those calls. And that was like my first exposure to post-game shows and sports talk radio and taking calls. And I just thought, where are these people coming from? Like trade Jim <laughs> Kelly. What? So I kind of, that was like a baptism under fire. I kind of had an idea of, okay, when teams lose, especially big, important games, the crazies come out of the woodwork. I don't mean it in a bad way. It's just sometimes, sure. you know, your heart takes over your brain. You're really angry at your team and you want everybody fired. Have you ever thought about, between the Bills and the Sabres, have you enjoyed covering and talking about one team more than the other? Now you're not on the air anymore, so you can say whatever you want. Yeah, well, I think it's it's I don't think it's fair to compare. I'd say the Bills. Yeah. And it doesn't mean I'm more of a Bills guy than a Sabres guy, but it's football. I mean, football's a completely different animal, right? Than hockey, basketball, baseball, any other sport. Football is so I mean, it's all geared around one game, you know? Sunday is it's an it's like this life experience. Monday is a reaction day. Tuesday is a reaction day. By Wednesday, what are we doing? We're starting to think about the next game coming up. Thursday and Friday is the build up to Sunday's game. There's there's nothing like football. Yeah, I, I just think because you can good or this can be good, this can be bad. You can dwell on thing on one game and all these stories so much more. With hockey, bad game, good game, boom, they're playing the next night or two nights, they're playing again. And there's just there's so many games. Football is a completely different beast. And to me, that makes football more captivating, more challenging, more interesting than any other sport when it comes to talk. When you cover, say, a, like if you've worked for The Athletic or The Buffalo News, say you're Joe Biscal, you're, you're Matt Perino. Matt Perino grew up a big Bills fan, and he starts covering a team. He's got to lose his fandom. That's part of the gig yeah. when it comes to print journalism, covering a team that way. Radio's different. You can still be a fan. As long as you're objective on how you speak of the team, you could still be a, a, a fan of the team. Is it frustrating being a fan of a team and going 17 years without making the playoffs or the Sabres who are now at 12 years running? Hopefully this is the, the last year of it. You know what I'm saying? Just covering a team that's lousy. I mean, again, when you work for the Buffalo News, you don't really give a crap if they're good or not. It's not your job to care. Sports talk, I kind of feel like it matters more. All right, I'm going to correct you, and then I'm going to make fun of you. Is that all right? Go ahead. All right. I got first, that. I got that Howard Simon self-deprecating gene. Go ahead. First, I'll correct you. Okay. The guys who cover the teams, they care. 
It is oh. not fun. No, but I'm just saying, right, I, go, okay. I know what you're saying. A talk show host versus a reporter, a beat reporter is different. You're right. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants, nobody who's sane wants to cover a right. losing franchise. Okay. Nobody wants Fair to point. be on a Sabres beat in a drought. Nobody wants to cover the Bills year after year yeah. when the season's over at Thanksgiving. It is not fun. Right. So, I, I mean, I, I do feel for those. Honestly, I feel for Paul Hamilton. Paul's our Sabres reporter, right? In this drought, Brian Kozil, who does the Sabres postgame show, we hit December and the season's over all these years. And I feel like, oh, my sure. God, Paul, what do you ask these guys after every game? Brian, what the hell do you talk about when the season's over at Christmas? So th those guys do care. Um, so your question, what school did you go to that taught you to ask the question, was a 17-year playoff drought frustrating? <laughs> Are you kidding me with that? Duville look, College. Look, I've, I've come up with many dumb questions over the years. <laughs> That's a good one. Man, was it frustrating. I, I don't even know how to answer that. It was... Um, I was on the field in Nashville for Music City Miracle. You're on the field? I was covering the game for Empire. I was in the end zone, oh. in the end zone where the touchdown was scored. Wow. And I was in Miami, right? So they would have lost. The Music City Miracle was 99, right? Miami was 98. All right. So I was, in, I was at, at the game, the Bills' last playoff game. If you told me that day, hey, listen, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> Bills will make the playoffs again until 2017. Yeah, you're you're going to spend two decades yeah, all right. over the year. What are you That's right. Sure. Get out of here. What are you kidding me? No way. I would have taken, like, I bet you a million dollars they don't make the playoffs until 2017. Oh, you're on. <laughs> are you kidding me? That's, that's funny. A that's true, though. A 17-year playoff drought in a sport that is designed for bad teams to not stay bad for a long time? You got to be kidding me with when, this. When you look back now, it's hard to believe that it's impossible. Could go 17 years in the salary cap era with the way coaches and staffs and quarterbacks turn over, it's almost hard to fathom a team. The Jets are at 12, years. right? Yeah. The Jets have the longest active playoff yep. drought in the National Football League. They're at 12. In sports. They'd have to go five more years. Yeah. The Jets had the longest drought in sports. In sports. That's right. Well, the Sabres just tied them now. Can they, they'd have to go five more years, which probably not going to happen, especially if they get Aaron Rodgers. Last question. Then, I, then I'm gonna let you go, man. And I and I appreciate your time here, being a fan now, and, and not a sports talk show host anymore. This is just what you think. What's your biggest takeaway from like watching the Sabers when when you've gotten the chance through the season? Like you said, you've been on vacation since retiring, so you haven't watched every game from start to finish. But you watch a lot of games. You still follow the team, obviously. But like the there's been some Saber teams over the last 10, 12 years where you felt some optimism and then yeah. it just never panned out. Yeah. Like, is it a different feeling that you have right yeah. now with this team? For Explain sure. That a little bit. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great point. I, I think it's funny, I get out. <laughs> I get out, I guess like maybe I got out at the wrong time, right? I mean, the Bills are really good. I still think they're in their Super Bowl window. I think they're a Super Bowl contender, mm -hmm. even though we're all still hurting from the Bengals game. The Sabres are turning it around. I think this is a really good time. We were talking to your son before the show, right? Yeah, He's yeah. just getting into Sabres just, hockey. Just and I, I said, your timing is perfect yeah. because you missed the dark ages. No, I, I think it's legit. It's, I saw, I forget who it was, Pat, one of the national hockey guys on Twitter. It might have been today. was making fun of Sabre fans because he's reading all these tweets about how, oh, they're headed in the right direction. Sabre fans feel good. I go, yeah, this is the Sabres. You always feel like they're headed in the right direction, and then they don't. I'm going to tell you this is legit. This is legit. And they, 
right? This feels feel different. Okay. This is not Dan Bilesma got him to, I don't know, 80 points or whatever the heck he would have done. This feels different. They've got a really good coach. I was very much skeptical when Kevin Adams was, was named. I was going to ask you that. And I like Kevin. We've gotten to know him over the years. He'd come on our show. He'd been in studio. Great guy. Love him. Didn't think he was qualified to be an NHL GM. Dead wrong. Because they're putting together a really good organization. They've got a talented NHL team. They've got good prospects on the AHL team. They've got good prospects scattered through juniors and Europe. The pipeline looks really promising. They've done a tremendous job. They are deep at center. They've got three top defensemen that are a great group to have. Yeah. Looks like they found their goalie now in Devin Levi. Like He looks fantastic. Are they finished? No. They still need some more scoring. They still need, I think, a better number four defenseman. There are things they have to improve, but I think this is not us convincing ourselves they're going to be good. I think it's legit. They are talented. They are young. They are fast. They're well-coached. They're well-managed. I feel really good about where they're at. I do, too. And um, they've been fun to watch for a while now, but there just seems to be something different about them. And I don't know if it's because I feel like they're going to have a goaltender going forward. I, I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but um, as it, it just feels to me like a different brand of hockey. And obviously with the Bills, and actually well, I will ask uh, a Bills question to end this podcast here. 13-3 and three last year. They yep. lose three games by eight points combined. Okay, but because of how they lost to Cincinnati, it just leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And you, it almost feels like, not locally, but like nationally, you get a sense that like Buffalo's almost kind of sort of like a, I don't want to say an afterthought. That might be too strong of a word. But I'm all married about it, the Chiefs and the yeah. Bengals. Yeah. You know, it's like the Bills need to do this. They need some kind of overhaul. It's like, do they really, though? I mean, they need to finish, and they need to do some things differently. But again, 13-3, and three, lose three games by eight points. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't need an overhaul. But look, the bar has moved. This is yeah. life at this level. We're not used to this. You know, Tyler if, if brought you Tyler talked about it. Yeah. If you don't remember 30 years ago, if right. you're not old enough to remember the early 90s, the bar's moved. When yeah. you get really good, guess what? More pressure, yeah. higher expectations. 13-3, and th who cares? Yeah. Right? I don't mean to say it doesn't matter. It does matter what your regular season record sure. is. But you can go... 14 and 3, 15 and 2. Who cares? What are you doing in the postseason? Right. Did you make it to the Super Bowl? Did you win the Super Bowl? Right now, as for the Buffalo Bills, that's it. Yeah. Division title. Whee! Whoop-de-doo. Okay. You know, and now it'll be tougher next year to win the division, by the way. It would be more of an accomplishment, but nobody sure. cares. It's all it's all about getting to the Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl. Period. End of sentence. So I get it. I understand it. I think in, in all likelihood, when we get to the next summer and training camps open from a national perspective, you will have the Chiefs and the Bengals. I bet most guys will rank them both ahead of the Bills, and I understand that. Sure. I don't know. If Aaron Rodgers shows up with the Jets, maybe that's a trendy pick. Um, but I understand that the national stock, on the it's dropped a little bit. I get it. It doesn't mean an overhaul. But obviously, they need to add more offensive weapons. They need to have a better offensive line. They need to get... You know, a running game that doesn't rely on their quarterback as much. Doesn't mean you have to run the ball more. Just have guys who are better at it. Um, they got to figure out how to be have a better pass rush when Von Miller's not playing. Uh, they have a massive hole in the middle of the defense to fill with Tremaine Edmonds mm -hmm. leaving. And look, there's a lot of pressure on Sean McDermott. Can he be the guy who can get him over the hump? They get into the playoffs. 
and the coaching staff makes bad mistakes. They they seem to coach conservative. They seem to freeze up in pressure moments, and they they get out coached. That's a big problem. So the the bar is much higher. It, again, it doesn't mean you overreact and say massive overhaul, but the expectations are high and means you're going to get more scrutiny. Yeah, Tyler Dunn a couple weeks ago on the show talked about that, moving the goalposts back a little bit more when it comes to expectations for Bills fans. It's not about the regular season. It's yeah. about what they do uh, in the postseason. Next week on the show, by the way, for people watching listening, I'm going to have Jay Skirsky of the Buffalo News on with me. We're going to tons of draft stuff. I want to thank Imperial Pizza one more time for uh, hosting. I I love coming here. The food's great. The vibe's great. And most of all, thank you very much to the legendary Howard Simon. Congratulations. Take the legendary out. Congratulations on an awesome career at WGR. Congratulations on being around to be able to experience all the love that is shown to you over these last couple of weeks. Because on a serious note, Unfortunately, sometimes people go away before they get to feel that kind of love. And no, you're alive yep, you're right. and well, and yep. you get to see that. So I, yeah, I, I'm not, I, I'm not dying. You're not dying, right? I didn't very I didn't much leave here. the job because I have an illness. I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. But you're right. Jeremy made that point. Not a lot of people get to leave on their own terms, right? You know, I was very, I was very lucky. I was able to do that because the guys at WGR, Tim Holly, Tim Wenger, Alan Davis, the management there, treated me unbelievably fantastic i mean just great and they were so cool to work things the way it all came out i couldn't those guys were, were great and they made it just work amazingly I, I i can't say enough pat about them it wasn't okay you're done push the guy out the door they were awesome they treated me just fantastic that's awesome thank you very much for watching thank you very much as well for listening i'll be back with a brand new show next week take care guys